Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Junior lefty kicks, deals the pitch, swing and a miss. Kate Povich has fan 10 and a new career high outing. He's made it through seven shutouts here in the home opener. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Wednesday night hump day here on Sports Nightly. So glad you're spending part of your evening with us. Full three hours coming your way tonight. Full practice report coming your way later this hour. We'll hear from the fabulous freshman Max Anderson of the Husker baseball team in hour two. I can't use the word fabulous for that next guest in hour two, but he is our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle. He'll be along as well. He just called a winning 10th inning for the Brewers this afternoon as they beat the Cubs in 10 innings at the friendly confines. Hour three, Bicell makes a return, and we'll get some Masters picks for you in that third hour of the program as well. And as always, phone lines open and available for you. That would be our Sports Sunday hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse, 531-500-4686. That number, if you want to be a part of the show, either with a call or a text using that very same number. Ben, you always say that any time that the head coach in football, after a practice, makes an unscheduled appearance, it's usually not good news, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the stuff we've, we've learned in our long careers of doing this. That When you see the head coach stride over, you're like, okay, something's coming up here. Yeah, yeah, it's usually not a, not a good sign. And as it turns out today, it wasn't. And uh, we'll just try and, um, you know, take it as it comes. And hopefully it's the last time, last unscheduled visit that we see of him. Well, when he had the press conference a week, we could go Monday but to kick off the spring practice. He was asked, are there people that are not going to be able to participate in spring ball? And he did say, I'll get back to you on that. He goes, I need to get the full list and I don't want to miss somebody. So I'll get back to you on that. So that was part of what I think today was, is that he told the media, I'm going to tell you who's being held out or not being able to practice. So he got into it today uh, talking about uh, how, first of all, how spring is going in his eyes after a week of practices and then, then the injury update. Uh, since you guys took the trouble to come down here, I thought I'd come out for a minute. Um, was really impressed with the spirit of practice today. The, there was a lot of competitiveness going on, seeing some good things. So we got a lot of work to do, but we're taking good steps. Um, just wanted to address, since you guys were there, a few of the injury things. We got a few guys that are out for spring, but we're expecting back for fall. Um, Stilly, Step, Mueller, uh, Witucky, Douglas. Um, and Buford uh, all had to have a, a surgery or are going to miss the rest of spring, but we expect them back. The rest of the guys are out, just kind of normal spring ball bumps and bruises and things of that nature. So should get them the rest of everybody back uh, relatively quickly. So it was a mix of walk-ons and scholarship players. Buford is a true freshman that's here in the program, a defensive back. Obviously, Mark, Marquis Stepp is the running back from USC, and then Ben Stilley being held out. The least of my concerns is Ben Stilley. I mean, I think he's played enough football here. He knows the scheme. He knows all that. But the step one is is uh, I don't like that because that that's a room that needs to figure out where it's going 
and headed into a, a year. In fact, he was asked about how the injuries with Step affects that running back room. The guys that are getting reps have an advantage. They're going to have a lot better chance. I, I love what I'm seeing from the guys that are out there. Um, missing a couple others because of bumps and bruises and, and then Step that's going to be out for a while. But um, plenty of reps to be had. So I, I love how the guys that are out there are taking advantage of it, Sam. And then how, how is it? What, what is it with Step? When will he be back? Here's the coach. He'll be back this summer. So, again, this is something that he didn't know about, we didn't know about when he came in, and it gets in his best interest to get it fixed to give him uh, the best chance to be at his best. You along with me, is that the biggest injury that you – I mean, the ones that he rattled off, is that the one that's the most concerning to you? Yeah, it was the first one that, that caught my eye. You know, Buford would probably be next in that line because another freshman that's an early enrollee, that would be, you know, valuable time that he can get. But – um, I mean, in my eyes, Mar- Marquis Steps probably the favorite to win the starting job. And, you know, this is a setback. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, from what we're hearing from reports that USC um, had misdiagnosed um, this situation uh, with Step and basically telling them that, you know, it wasn't as, as serious as, as they had thought. And as it turns out, he gets to Nebraska, gets a different diagnosis, and surgery is required. So that's a bummer. And, you know, as Coach Frost said, they didn't know about it. And, um, you know, now they're forced to deal with it. And it's just one of those things that, that has, to, has to be dealt with. Yeah, this isn't like the pros where you, you might be signing a free agent and you go, well, if you pass your physical, we'll sign you the contract. That's not really the way it works in college sports. I mean, if a guy hits a transfer market and you take him, then you get, you know, you get what you get. And sometimes that happens. That something maybe, like he said, he didn't know about, we didn't know about, so we're just going to have to deal with it and move on. And at least it's not a season ender or career ender for him at all. Now, how more? What more about that room? And there is a guy who's caught their eye, according to the coach, and he's a true freshman. Let's listen into this. I, I got to say, overall, our our newcomers, uh, guys that should still be in high school or transferred here, I've been really impressed with. Um, Gabe Irvin is definitely one of the leaders of that. He he just has an approach like a pro. He acts like a grown up. Um, gets in the huddle and encourages and competes and. Um, Overall, you know, that group of guys that came in here new, I'm seeing a lot of really good things from. So, you know, some of the guys are swimming. They should still be in science class and at prom and high school track meets. Uh, so that they're catching up. But overall, really impressed with the group that came in. Every time this happens, we all jump on it, right, Ben? He, he mentions a name, and in this case it's Gabe Irvin, and we all do just jump around like we're, we've lost our minds. But he did mention him. And he said some pretty nice things about Gabe Irvin. And you and I both have talked about how much we liked his tape coming out of high school. because a young guy that won a state championship in the state of Georgia in December. Um, I, that's a position I think you could come in right away and play. I, I, don't, I think that's a position, along with wide receiver, that you can get up to speed fairly quickly. So I, that's encouraging to me what he said about Gabe Irvin. I think, yeah, I think it it definitely is encouraging. And, you know, this is on the heels of hearing running backs coach Ryan Held talk about him too. So it's twice this week that his name's been brought up. And, you know, there's always a couple of names that seem to pop in the spring, and sounds like this might be one of them. And it comes at a position that Nebraska needs somebody to kind of 
take over. And not to say that Gabe, Gabe Irvin's going to come in and be that guy as a freshman, but you know, it's nice to throw another um, hat in the mix of guys that are going to be expected to, to get some reps. And, you know, if nothing else, you hope it pushes um, the other guys, the Ramir Johnsons, Marvin Scott's Ramir Johnson. I think I already said him, Sevion Morrison. It's going to push Tompkins. those guys to, yeah. to, to be better and, and know that you've got, you know, in one case, Marquis Stepp, who now will be out for the spring, but you've got a young gun and a freshman right now that, um, that's kind of smelling blood in the water and, and coming for some reps. And if you're an older guy, uh, particularly Ramir, who has been here probably the longest, it better be a, a, a source of, of focus for you. And this is what we say, that, that competition makes everybody better. I think this is a, a good case of that. The, the football staff put out the date last week was um, the, the uh, was a Friday practice, was their first practice in pads, and they put together a crafted – uh, video that they edited together, and, and one of the plays was Marvin Scott ripping off a big run, and it looked like he got a little extra burst to him. And that's a guy that I'm not giving up on. We saw Marvin with a handful of carries last fall. Um, he he didn't really blow you away. I thought there were a couple times he looked like he had some good runs, but certainly a guy that you don't give up on. It looks like he's at least a hard nosed kid that's going to fight his way through that. So those are the comments from the head coach. He didn't stay very long with the media. He's slated to do a, a bigger a bigger batch of questioning next Monday uh, for the Huskers. That'll be the next time that we will hear from some of the coaches, and it'll be it'll be the head coach primarily next Monday. So we'll get a lot more, I think, out of him next Monday. But wanted to hit on the injury part off the top. Uh, the last thing from him, he did talk about the Stilly injury and what that might mean for the fall. No, Stilly, Stilly had surgery before spring started. Um, so, you know, some of those guys, to be honest, they, you know, they're going in through their fifth spring ball. I guess they missed one, but they've been here a long time and um, more worried about getting them ready for season than I am grinding them down in spring ball. And honestly, Ben, I think it probably is is okay in a lot of ways that it gives other guys more reps, right? I mean, we know what Ben Stilley can do. The coaches know what Ben Stilley can do. He's going to be a big part of it in the fall. But this gives Ty Robinson, Casey Rogers, the polar bear, Raquan Buckley, more more chances, right? I mean, right now than, than Ben Stilley, who we kind of know what we have. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, again, Coach bringing home the point of we need to make sure Stilley's ready to go in the fall. He doesn't need to go prove anything. We, we know what he is. So, yeah, this is a good opportunity for those other guys to get more reps. And, you know, you think about how many – how this this staff runs practice, how many reps they go through, um, you know, in a day, that already lends itself to everybody getting more reps. But when you take a couple of guys out of the equation, you can go even further down that ladder. So um, I, I'm i not worried about Stilly. I, again, I think the, the more pressing thing is that he's ready to go for the season. And, you know, you just hope that, you know, whoever it is that gets those reps – uh, takes advantage of them and you know an, an opportunity that they might not have otherwise got or at least you know at the clip that they are now um, w- with a couple of the guys out it's a it's a big it's a big situation for them to be in and uh, coming up in, in our practice report in the next segment we will hear from Tony Tuyoti, the defensive line coach and Barrett Rue the linebackers coach they met with the media we'll have a full slate of comments from them about their two positions I'm excited about both of them I think both can be really really good for this defense in the fall, um, I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be. Boy, I might. I might regret this, but I think this has a chance to be the best defense Nebraska's had since that 
2009-2010 teams that had Levante and Indomitian and Prince and those guys, I think this defense could be close to that level uh, in the fall for Husker football. We'll see what those two coaches have to say coming up here in a little bit in the practice report. Also, I mentioned Max Anderson is going to be along in the top of hour number two, the Husker a freshman baseball player from Millard West who's just gotten himself off to an amazing start at a great weekend at Illinois. He's been playing DH, been playing third base. I saw a couple of more uh, postseason projections today. Ben, the Huskers are, are in. These these sites, these people, and this is big that these people recognize this because the, the, the folks that sit on the committee certainly follow the D1 baseballs, the Baseball Americas, those type of people who put out polls they, they follow that so that they get the teams that are on their radar and they know that they need to be on theirs and right now nebraska looks like they're comfortably in uh the the nc tournament that would start the first weekend of june and i think that's that's big that they've gotten on the radar here in the first month plus of the season yeah i think at this point it's if you're putting those projections together you're definitely you know you you're not going to be taken too seriously if you leave a, a first-place team of a Power 5 league, especially one like the Big Ten who's put you know four or five teams in a regional the last few years in. I mean, if, you, if you're leaving the, the, the first-place team off, uh, the validity of that immediately comes into question. So, yeah, I'm with you. It would have been really disappointing to not see Nebraska involved in those. Thankfully, you know, they were um but at the same time it's it's the halfway point of the season you've got to find a way to um continue to play good baseball and there's going to be a valley at some point before this season's over there's been some peaks already really the one valley would be the the sunday in minneapolis where you drop the double header to both ohio state and iowa but there's a long season to go there's probably going to be a week or you know, a stretch of games where Nebraska's not playing their best. Um, you just got to find a way to, to cut those as short as possible and, you know, move on to the to, to the next peak, so to speak. So I, I do think that, you know, it's good that they're being recognized. And I think what they've done on the field has more than, more than proven that they're worthy of being in that discussion. But, you know, if they're, if they're continuously – um, I don't even want to say in the top spot. In the top three of this league, it's going to be hard for those national writers to ignore what this team is doing. And, you know, to your point about being on radars, I think that's already happened. I think that started happening a couple of weeks ago. And when you see teams like Michigan, you know, quite frankly, get lucky to win a series against Penn State and then get blasted by Maryland uh, on getaway day, and uh, that's supposedly the the – banner team in your league or or you know that that also has been anointed to a team like indiana who just got swept in a four-game series it becomes hard to to hitch your conference to those wagons when results like that happen so nebraska just has to and the team's not worried about that we're worried about that because we can be but the, you know the team's just got to continue what they're doing and, and buying in to what the coaches are telling them buying into each other and, and good things are going to happen Pretty hot Maryland team coming here this weekend. They played good baseball. They've won four of their last five games, so they're they're feeling good, and they'll be a big challenge for Nebraska for, starting Friday night at 6.30 for that opening game of that series. All right, that's what we have here on the program tonight. Buckle up, put that phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. A full practice report straight ahead. Comments from Coach Tuioti, Coach Rude, and we'll dive into all that next. 
every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. And our practice report brought to you by JTEC Construction. JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. Defense, defense, defense. Let's go. Yeah, you mentioned uh, earlier this week we heard from the offensive staff, so trying to flip sides of the ball and talk some defense. Uh, we'll talk some linebackers with Coach Rude here first, and uh, he obviously um, wanted to encompass everything here at the beginning and just talk a little bit about his group and what they've done so far this spring. Uh, they've done a good job. Um, it, it's a fun group to coach. Um, they really understand football. Uh, a lot of those guys are at the next level uh, learning for football, and, and it's fun. It's fun to talk to them about it. Um, they're eager to learn, and they're working at it right now too. So it's, it, it's been good so far. It seems like there are a lot of just football lovers in that linebacker room, Greg, when you think about some of the personalities um, that, that, have, that are in there right now but also have come out of there. I, I, I feel like it – it's probably a good reputation and a good relationship between Coach Rude and his players just about their day-to-day. It's, it's gone from a spot that was razor thin to now you kind of feel like you have an actual, some actual depth in there. But I, I agree with you. I think they've got some – and that was Scott Frost's whole thing a couple of years ago. He said, we just need to find more guys who love football. And I think they've done that across the board. And certainly in Coach Rude's room, I think that's correct. Obviously, a lot of experience in that room right now, as Greg just kind of alluded to there. Has the group experience their experiences or their um, seniority, so to speak? Have, they, have it changes the way that he coaches them? Is something different now that he's got a group that's been here a while? Um, you know, I, I think kind of like, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, th- I think the competition level, that part is really fun for me because um, – there really doesn't need to be a whole lot of motivation right now. Um, they can see uh, if they're not playing well, somebody behind them is going to play well. So that part's been really good. And uh, I guess to your point about coaching, a little bit different. Um, these guys are pretty experienced now. A lot of them have been in here two or three years now, and um, they understand football. So you can really get in-depth with them about, you know, offensive I- uh, identification, um, specific looks, um, and uh, it's, it's been really fun. One of those guys that is gaining more and more experience and should probably start to see the field uh, a lot as his career continues to unfold is Omaha Burke product Nick Henrich. Coach Rude talked about what he's seen from the former Burke Bulldog. I mean, he's made big jumps, big strides. Um, number one with Nick is, I mean, keeping him healthy. That's, I think that's first and foremost. Uh, he's had a little bit of an injury history. He got banged up his first year, uh, a little bit banged up last year. So keeping him healthy is always you know, the first priority. Um, and then for him, continuing just to get stronger, which he's going to do naturally. Um, he's a worker, so that, that, that'll come. Um, but, I mean, he, he's a natural football player, uh, really intelligent, great football movements. Um, and he's, he's, made a, he's going to make a big jump from uh, his first year starting to this year. Another guy that's made a huge jump, starting to make a name for himself uh, for this football team just for the, the work that he's put in, but also you know gaining the reputation of a football player with his teammates is, is Luke Reimer. And beginning to think for a while there that this guy was a unicorn. I'll explain more why here in a second, but Coach Root offers thoughts on uh, the Lincoln product. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Luke can be as good as he absolutely wants to be. I mean, I think he can, you know, potentially play football when he's done here. So um, he's been really good. 
uh, did a great job uh, in the weight room in the offseason. So he's gotten bigger. He's gotten faster. Um, and then same thing with the rest of the guys. Uh, he really understands the game. He understands the ins and outs. He understands how offenses are trying to attack us. So uh, he's a fun guy to, to watch. He's a fun guy to coach. When I say a unicorn, I mean the fact that how long have we been hearing about this guy in practice, right? right. I mean, we kept hearing about this guy, Luke Reimer, Luke Reimer, Luke Reimer, Luke Reimer. And, you know, at any time that, it, that the opportunity presented itself to get on the field, he was hurt. It, it seemed to be ankle issues for him um, that, that kept him out a bunch. We, we started to see, okay, this guy is real, and he does play, and he does play at a really high level last year. But, again, uh, hampered by lower body injuries and uh, wasn't playing consistently. But I think Husker Nation got a taste, us included, of what Luke Reimer can do when he's healthy. Absolutely. Bo- and both guys you've talked about, Nick Henrich, another guy who made, was starting to make more and more plays. And I remember a play that, that Nick made against Ohio State, and you're like, whoa, that's a, that's a, who's 42? Oh, and he checked in, that's Nick Henrich. I mean, uh, those guys, and you just hope that the stronger their bodies get, that they can take the pounding of Big Ten football and be out there play after play, snap after snap, because they're both really talented kids that are going to make us better. Let's uh, let's move up a level and talk about the defensive line next with D-line coach Tony Tuioti, and let's just start first of the areas that the defensive line as a unit can improve. I always think that we can always find opportunities to get better. Um, in our room, we always talk about good, better, best. And, you know, the young guys, Casey Rogers, Ty Robinson, all of them improved their game. Uh, Damian Daniels did too as well. Um, our big emphasis this week or really throughout training camp it's the finish finish part we left a lot of plays on the field last year that we felt like we could have made whether that's making a tackle in our gap um, getting to the quarterback to affect them so all those different types of things we want to get better at so a a couple of names there that he mentioned that uh, we did see have good seasons for Nebraska up front but Ben Stilley as we talked about in the first segment out for the spring and that leads some opportunities elsewhere on the defensive line. What does that injury do for his room? Yeah, it gives the young guys opportunity to take more reps, gives them a chance to grow, um, gives Stilly a chance to be a leader in a different way. Um, he's doing a great job of meeting with the guys and watching extra film outside of uh, my meetings, and uh, he's doing a great job in doing that. So seeing guys like Ty get more reps, Casey get more reps, um, there's already not enough reps to go around for everybody, uh, especially in spring ball. So we need all the reps we can get to get better. So that's what uh, Sealy being out helps us out with that. And plus, he's been through a system for a long time. So um, I, my plan for him, even if he was in spring ball, was to you know put him on the shelf for a little bit. You never really want to say that missing a spring is a good thing, but I, I do think that Coach Tuioli has a good point there about you know him being out there's no, there's not that obligation to get him in there and you know make sure that he's ready to go all of those reps can go to somebody else a- absolutely you know and there's some young young bucks that we have not seen play and the polar bears one raekwon buckley is another mosai newsom's another guy that i think has a chance to be not sure about tate wildeman that's a name that doesn't seem to come up much this is you would think would be a pretty big spring for him to see if he can hang with the rogers and the robinsons or, or not but yeah if you got ben silly you just have one more guy you feel like okay i better get him in there for this snap and so i it's, it's a great way to take a negative and turn it into a positive for you there are a lot of names on the defensive line that we've already touched on 
uh, Stilly being one of them, again, out for the spring. Are there any, quote-unquote, established guys for the D-line coach? Here is his response. I think everybody has to establish themselves. The old guys, nobody's proved anything to me. In the last three years, we talked about in our room, too, as well. Uh, DeAndre Thomas, Ben Stilly, you know, we haven't achieved what we wanted to. Uh, This is going into my third year, and every single day it burns me that we're not where we're supposed to be at right now. So that's the type of chip that I have on my shoulder. My guys already know that. There they go, flexing their arms. But I love them boys. They work hard. They already know that. They haven't earned anything. Did they play good? Yes, they played pretty good, but not good enough. Always hold them to a higher standard. That's how everybody gets better. So I, I appreciate their approach, approach there from Coach Tuioti. Uh, last last question he was asked wasn't really relative to any of his guys. It was relative to the guy that he's working for and head coach Scott Frost and the pressure that there is on not just Coach Frost but this coaching staff to win. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, but it comes along with the job. You know, we know at the end of the day the job is to win. It's to win, do the things the right way. And I don't think there's anybody else in the country or in this state that loves this program as much as he does. And he wears it on his sleeves. And we back him up. We follow him. And every single day, I want what he wants. I want what the state wants. The state wants a winning team. And I want to push my guys to the limit. I want them to know each and every day is not good enough. You know, what's going to be good enough is at the end of the day, the scoreboard shows that we got one more point than the other team. That's when it's good enough. I love that. I love when coaches are not afraid to say we need to win. I, mean, I love that. And not just, you know, oh, it's been good, it's been fine, we're getting better, and all those are coach-speak things. But when you hear a coach, and Coach Toyota's got some passion about him, is we know we're here to win, and it burns us that we're not winning. I love that. That's great. I think we need more passion, more fire like that from guys. Absolutely. And you and I have both been lucky enough to spend some time around Coach Toyota and, and speak to him and just know what he's like and uh he's genuine in everything that he says so i I don't believe that anything that he portrays is not the truth or how he really feels he he is passionate about winning as are all these coaches so i'm glad that um, he answered that question here today all right let's talk let's talk to and hear from some players let's start first with an area that uh, we haven't heard from yet and that's the secondary deontay williams meeting with members of the media today for the first time since announcing that he is choosing to utilize the extra year of eligibility. Here is the reason why he chose to keep wearing the Husker gear. Uh, I decided to come back just off of, I I felt like this team that we got right now could do way more. And I want to, and I, and we want to show the country that we, we are better than what everybody else think we are. So I felt like just coming back, Leaving a footprint, leaving a mark on and on and on and on and from here uh, 20 years from now because my son, he watching me play right now. So when, he, when it's his time to uh, be a Husker and play football, you can see what daddy have done. So that's why I chose to come back. First of all, love the fact that uh, we already have a commit from, what, the class of 2038. Uh, so that's a good sign <laughs> that, uh, that Deontay's – we already know it's a good bloodline. His dad played in the NFL. Uh, he's probably going to get a look at the next level. So the genes have, are probably in, uh, in good, good company there. So that's the first thing. But in all seriousness, I, I do feel like there's a lot of players on this team that are older that feel like what they have done isn't good enough because it isn't. And they, they're not ready to leave a program – where they feel like they could they could still improve it. And I think Deontay's probably the first one in that camp. 
I was surprised he came back, to be honest with you, Ben. I thought, you know what, he's probably ready for that next phase of his life. But this says a lot, that he does want to come back, and he wants to take Nebraska to another level than what he's experienced the last couple of years here. And he's had a tough couple of years here. I mean, he got hurt week one, one of his seasons here at Nebraska, and then last year was the the shortened year because of COVID. So I, I kind of feel like he, in a way, has felt cheated. But he def- he that guy wants to win, and I we need more of that feeling coming out of that locker room. Sure does, and I think that bled a little bit more into that into this next cut. And before I, I play this cut, I want, again, to remind everybody how much we appreciate Deontay from the first time that he's spoken with the media until now, until present day. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't dance around it. He tells it how it is and how he feels. And this particular subject is probably a touchy one to a lot of guys, especially the ones that were in the opposite campus. him. Going back to last year, the ones that decided that they didn't want to play in a bowl game. They didn't want that extra year. Deontay was one of those guys. He wanted to play another game, and he was pretty vocal about it when the team decided that that wasn't going to be the case. Um, This was his response when asked today about the the team choosing not to play in a bowl game last year. Yeah, it was very hard, especially guys for me. You know, want more film out there for the NFL scouts and stuff like that. But other than that, it is what it is. But... We got to, we got to change that, you know. That's something we got to change here, deep inside here, you know. Like it's a culture thing. Got to change it. I'm assuming, and I don't want to speak for him, Greg, but where I read out of that, you're given an opportunity to play football. We're going to play football. That's at least how I took it. Yeah, I do too. And we we certainly heard rumblings back in December that it was a divided locker room, that it was not unanimous to not play the bull bid. And right there, you found out where Deontay Williams comes down he was in the camp that he wanted to go play one more game and and, hey i get all the other things even if that team had voted to play there's not even a guarantee they would have played i mean you go think take iowa for instance they were lined up ready to play missouri and the missouri had COVID issues and the game never happened that could have happened at nebraska but again give me more guys like deontay that are burning and want to play Uh, i'll go to battle with those kind of guys 100 percent. that's a guy that i want to have my back on the field yep 100%. All right, we'll finish it up with Ty Robinson, Nebraska defensive lineman. Uh, He spoke to members of the media today. He is a young guy, but he also spoke to some of the other younger players that have looked good on the D-line so far. Yeah, uh, Nash. Nash has really made a big jump from last year to this year. I think last year was just good, like uh, acclimation period for him. Uh, but coming in the spring ball, he looks good. Uh, Ruquan, uh, he he came in early. He's looking good too. He's going to take uh, some time to get, you know, transition from high school ball to college ball. Uh, Marquise Black, he's looking good. Mo's looking good. Everyone, I mean, everyone's making making a huge jump from last year, which is most important to me because I need to know that I can trust that that guy next to me to go out there and make plays as well. It's a deep group, and I think um, you know they continue to build off the performance that they had a year ago. We're going to be pretty pleased with what we see up front on the D line. I, I I agree. I think you know he's he's throwing names out there. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about Marquise Black. I mean, there are guys that are pretty highly thought of. Uh, that room is building its depth up, and that's a good sign. And I thought one of the one of my most positive takeaways, Ben, from the games we got to play in the fall, is that I felt like for the first time in a couple of years, physically along the lines, defense and offense, that Nebraska matched up week in and week out with everybody, even Ohio State, but certainly with. 
with Iowa in, in the matchup with them and some of the other teams that they faced week after week. And I don't think we've been able to say that after a lot of seasons. I did last year, and I think that's going to continue this fall. I would have loved to have seen how this group would have stacked up against Wisconsin this year. Yep. I feel like that's yep. usually a pretty good measuring stick. We all know that opportunity was taken away from us. But it, Iowa's inability to run the football against this team last year, I think, is a telltale sign given the history uh, of what the Hawkeyes have done to the Huskers up front on, on the lines. So 100% I'm with you, and and I can't wait to see you know how this group progresses throughout the spring and into fall. Good. Great stuff to hear from those guys. Again, our next media availability for Husker spring practice will be Monday. The head coach will be the headliner for that media session on Monday. We'll recap it for you that night on the program. Kind of yucky out today, right? A little chilly, wet, damp. Glad there was no baseball scheduled for today. Might have a little tough time getting that one in, but it's supposed to be good over the weekend. Chance kind of overnight Friday, but it shouldn't affect either the Friday night or the Saturday game for the Huskers and the Maryland Terrapins. We welcome you back. It's our number two sports nightly here on this Wednesday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. We're going to talk some Husker baseball with Max Anderson coming up here in a few minutes. We'll talk more baseball later in the hour. Lane Grendel, the former host of this show, now part of the Milwaukee Brewers broadcast, will join us uh, for our Major League Baseball Insider segment. Talking about the start of the season, this little bit about the All-Star game fiasco that has enveloped the league and really has a lot of people fired up so we'll get lane's take on all that coming up later on in the hour now um will bolt had his weekly press conference today followed up by max anderson the young man from millard west who's had just an amazing start to his college career and after he got done with the media ben you had a chance to talk to him now is there any millard west code in this that we need to be aware of to pick up anything you two are are mentioning to each other, or are we good? I, I th- think you're in the clear, but no promises. No promises <laughs> that it wasn't brought up at some point in the interview. So, uh, yeah, those, you know, that that school pumps out some special people, let me tell you. And uh, <laughs> Max Anderson, being one of them, with the way that he can uh, that he can play ball, we really enjoyed watching him play the first month, month and a half of the season, and uh, just started out by asking Max the same question I started out by asking Spencer the last week with another successful week uh, with Nebraska on the road at Illinois winning the series. I just asked Max what the what the mood of the team was this week heading into another week at home, this time with Maryland. Uh, we're excited. Um, I mean, we're still hungry. We're ready for Maryland. Uh, but I feel like the team morale is up, and uh, we're happy for the series win. Um, that's really all you can ask for on a road 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 series is we got that win against a good team in illinois and uh we're getting ready for a really solid team in maryland max let's rewind uh to, to last weekend in the sunday matchup i know um you know saturday talked to a few of you guys after the game and you didn't really see i mean obviously people were bothered by the loss but more, more already ready for the next day and the next day of, of, of baseball and a chance to go compete on the field. What what does it say about your team when you can lose a tough game like that in the bottom of the eighth and then show up the next day ready to go, take a team's best shot in Illinois, and you know still kind of flex your muscles there in the, in the second half of that game on Sunday? Yeah, I think it shows that we have a short memory as a team. Uh, we're not thinking about – what we could have done better or what happened that didn't go our way. Um, it just shows us that shows us shows that we're a tough team 
uh, we're resilient and we're going to battle till the end and we're going to keep on throwing haymakers till you're, till you're knocked down. Max, I know you've been asked this a lot already, but how have you got here? I mean, you think about sometimes the transition that freshmen have to make. Um, you and, and Bryce and even some others, uh, freshmen have put in the lineup right away and you've contributed. Uh, wh- how did you get to this point and wh- what type of work did you have to put in, conversation with the coaches, everything encompassed to, to allow you to be in this spot that you're in right now? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a result of just, you know, listening to the coaches and what they have to say about swinging and uh, what my approach is going into the plate. But truly, I feel like what's helped me the most is talking to all the guys that have been there and seeing like what they do mentally, how they get mentally ready and everything. Uh, So I feel like I would uh, give the older guys a lot of the credit for just kind of helping me out and uh, helping me out mentally to know just what to do and, how to how to handle this um but in the end it's still playing the same game that i've played my whole life so i just got to keep that in mind that i'm playing a game and it's it's just baseball like it always has been how much does it help max going through this with other guys that are going through the same thing guys like bryce and like jack that are that are brand new to the program i guess even efry to a certain extent even though he's a junior college player that you know, they're in the same spot you are, and they're being asked to do some of the same things you are. Just how much does it help having some, some guys to talk to or lean on when, um, you know, just to talk about things? Yeah, I think it's it's really nice to have somebody that you can uh, bounce things off of and just kind of talk to that are going through the same thing you are. Um, if you're struggling, maybe it's a good guy to talk to or something. Uh, but, yeah, it's – it's it helps to have that you're not alone and you're having guys that are going through the exact same thing with you. Uh, I mean, the stress for us freshmen, we've never really been through the college where it's school, practice, school again, sleep, baseball. It's just kind of a repeated cycle. So going through that with everybody else really has helped and you're not alone. Uh, yeah, so I think just being able to figure out that schedule with everybody else has been a big help. Max, how how has this come at you? I mean, have you done much reflecting at all? I mean, last year, you know, you're playing for the for the Wildcats. Well, I guess technically, you know, you weren't with COVID, but um, and now you're you're a Nebraska baseball player. You're playing in front of crowds. You're having to do media interviews. You're facing college pitching. You're wearing Husker uniform. I mean, have you taken a second to kind of catch your breath and understand how quickly this has all come at you? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was really kind of surreal when it happened. Uh, the first time that it really kind of hit me was the first home series uh, last week. Is was after I think the Friday game. I went home and I was like, "Wow, I just played a game for the first time in front of a bunch of fans, and I was in a Husker uniform uh, that I grew up watching pe- people play." Uh, I just remember uh, coming to all these games and seeing all those guys and wanting to beat them. And now that I'm a player, it was pretty cool. Uh, it doesn't feel like I feel like that at all that I'm a Husker player yet, but hopefully when I look back on it, it will. (laughs) Absolutely. Max, let's talk a little bit about your defense. You've been asked a lot about your hitting and rightfully so, but I know you're working really hard at third base. I know the coaches and coach Marcuso are working with you 
daily on on your your defense and really what changes what has changed for you defensively at this level compared to what you've been through in the past and and really what your feelings are at, at the third base position right now yeah I mean learn the new position it was a change at first but uh with coach Marcuso and a bunch of the older guys help I feel like I've made the change uh pretty well uh still learning of course but uh I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling confident. Uh, I mean, when I'm out in the field playing the game, there's really nothing that goes to the mind that I'm not going to make a play or anything. And I just kind of play freely and kind of let it fly. So I feel like third base is kind of a mindset, really, for me. If I have the right mindset, uh, the speed of the game will come for me. It's a lot faster than the high school level, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of keep in mind that I'm a good defender and I can I'll be able to make the plays and have leave no doubt in my mind then uh good things will happen. Max talking with you and your two teammates throughout this season and even into with the group that was on the team last year with coach Bolt really is first full season as head coach seems like a lot of you guys have adopted a lot of his traits a lot of his personality his approach when you talk about Coach Bolt to people, maybe your family or friends, what do you say? How, how do you describe the coach? Maybe not just Coach Bolt, but all the coaches, you know, have been in your shoes, have put on the same uniform you have. A lot of them have. And um, how, how would you describe how they are? Oh uh, yeah, uh, our coaches—they're they're great guys. Uh, off the field, they're they're going to be guys that you want to talk to and have you know have a good laugh with. But on the field, they're going to get on you for doing doing what you need to do and they'll be they're guys that um you have great relationships and respect when they tell you something that you did wrong and uh you know that they've been there before and they've seen everything that you're going through so it's just something where you're gonna have to listen to them and do what they say because you just got to trust them that they've been through it and we haven't so uh i mean it's pretty special that all of our coaches have been to the big moment and have seen that, seen that. So, uh, yeah, it's special to have those guys and just be able to learn from them. Max, I know, and you know this too, but being a baseball player and, and the way things are going right now, this team's got a lot of momentum right now, but it's rare you make it through an entire baseball season and not face adversity. You know, I think you guys saw a little bit of that on Sunday with Ohio State and Iowa. There's probably going to be a day or two or three where things don't bounce your way throughout the, the, the longevity of a season. What, what makes you confident this team will stay as grounded as you had in the high moments as you will potentially in some low moments that are to come and just to keep focused on the, on the end goal? Yeah, I think I said. I think, like I said earlier, about the um, just not not being able to remember what happened yesterday. No matter if we beat the team by 15 runs or we lose by 15 runs, it's who cares what happened yesterday. This is a brand new team that we're going to play, and it's the same team that we've always been. Uh, no matter win, no matter a loss, we're going to come at you and give you everything we have. And I feel like that's just what makes us makes us a good ball club. Is that we just don't care what's going to happen. Uh, what happened the last day or the last week. We're just going to give you our best shot every single day. 
Max should be good week, weather this weekend. Uh, that that means the fans will probably come out in droves. Uh, have you learned how to kind of handle your adrenaline a little bit when that crowd's revved up? I mean, I know we're only at a, a small percentage of capacity, but it was, it was even clear with Minnesota. They make a difference in the game. Have you learned how to kind of cope with that and how to play with all that going on? Yeah, my first at bat was a little had a little adrenaline going, <laughs> but uh, after that, uh, I learned just kind of take a few deep deep breaths and just kind of calm down a little bit and uh not let the moment get get uh get the best of you uh when you do good that's when you can celebrate a little bit but in your head and then get back right to the field uh yeah it's been it's been an adjustment but i've been able to handle it i I think you'll get used to it rather quickly and it's better to have those people on your side than uh on the other dugout should be great atmosphere this weekend against maryland max thanks so much for the time man we wish you the best of luck we'll see you out at the park on friday thank you Yep, thank you very much. It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Josh Elkeman. Sold. And Austin Orman. Well, here we go. And uh, we've gotten used to the last couple times we've played having a bunch of answers to go through. But this week we only have five answers. Oh. So. It's uh, a little bit slimmer pickings, and honestly, there have been been a couple of older questions that we've been sitting on for a while, going all the way back to season one, honestly, so they will come around here in the next month or so, I, I think, but... We're going to have to wait a little bit longer before we get to those. So The worst I can do tonight is 0 for 5. I'll take it. That's <laughs> correct. Uh, all right. We'll start with a Husker baseball question that Greg asked last week. Buyer saw that the Huskers would score 20 runs or more this past weekend against Illinois. That was a buy. The Big Red uh, scored 28 runs. So Woo! had a big offensive effort against the Illini. And half of us bought it and half of us sold it. The buyers were Ben, Tim, and myself. Everybody else sold it and was wrong, but off to a good start for Ben, Timmy, and me. All right. Let's do it. Good start. We'll jump from college baseball to the pros. Ben, you asked us, buy or sell that the first homer of the Major League Baseball season comes from a lefty (laughs) or a switch hitter? A coin flip question. The answer, a sell. Righty Miguel Cabrera homers through a snowstorm (laughs) in Detroit. He is on the board first, so the answer is a sell as he's a right-handed batter. Josh and Tim, the only two correct. Ben, you sold it or bought it? Uh, I honestly don't remember what I did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I took, were... I'm pretty sure I took the left-handed hitters because I'm yes, a lefty. Yeah, that been yeah. buy. Yeah, uh, that was your logic too. You you were left-handed, so you you went with the buy. Yep. I wish that I had picked a player. I I don't think I did. I I think I threw around a couple of Yankees, and that didn't end up. Luke Voigt. Didn't somebody throw out Luke Voigt? Maybe, maybe. But anyway, I I'm glad that I got the question right. Uh. My first question last week was involving the Final Four, and I asked by or sell that either of the Final Four games or the National Championship would be decided by three points or fewer. That, of course, was a buy. The classic in the wow. Final Four between Gonzaga and UCLA was 93-90 to 90 Zags in OT. All of us sold it except for Tim. That makes me mad, but... So did Tim actually pick that one, or was he flipped four on that one? Uh, he picked it. I don't know when he did. I reminded him to put his 
picks in last week after we were done. I don't know when he did it. He did it by the time I went through the answers earlier today. So he might have cheated and done it on Monday or Tuesday. I don't know. Might have to go back and check the version history yes. on the Google yes. Doc. Yep. I Yeah, might do have to do some research on that one. I don't I don't believe that he could have gotten that one right all by himself. That's what I'm saying. All right, Tim's question from last week, also Final Four related. He asked, buy or sell that Gonzaga wins the national championship and Drew Timmy (laughs) wins the most outstanding player of the tournament award. But of course, not the most outstanding Timmy (laughs) award. Tim hoped to retain that. So two and a half part question. The answer, though, is a sell. Zags lose to Baylor. Timmy not named MOP. Greg and Ben, you two, the only two that bought it. Greg buying an and question. Comes back to bite stupid, you, Greg. Stupid, stupid. <laughs> and just adding this in there, I think that Drew Timmy did retain the or did take over the Timmy outstanding Timmy Award from Tim Curran. He did. So. He has my vote. Right. Any anybody but Tim Curran had the most outstanding Timmy Award. All right, just one more answer here, and this one is. I'm over. I'm over. By the way, I'm over four right now. You are over four. Uh, Greg, you asked a Husker softball question by yourself that the Huskers would hold Rutgers to 12 runs or fewer this past weekend. The answer, a sell. They had a couple of good games against the Scarlet Knights, but ended up allowing 16 runs in the series. And Brett and I were actually the only ones to get this one right with a sell. Everybody else bought it and was incorrect. Oh for, wow. Yikes. Oh for 5. Yeah. Greg, 40. 0 oh for 5. Uh, ben and Austin, you guys weren't much better. You were 1 for 5. Brett Yeesh. was... A little bit better, two for five, but still below 500. And then me, who you heard, I gave my answers last week during Bicel. I went four for five. Tim also went four for five. Not sure when he got his answers in. Might have cheated. We don't know. So wow. likely, likely, likely that that happened. <laughs> uh, so that makes things a little bit tighter up at the top of the leaderboard. Actually, now Ben, you are tied with Tim for first place, oh, 38 no. of 65. Woo-hoo. I'm one back at 37. Greg, you're three back at 35. And Brett's up there, too, at 34. Austin still lagging behind at 30 of 65 on the season. Yikes. Work to do. Work to do. That's a bloodbath. Yeah, that was a a tough week for all of us, except for you. I'm I'm still not really confident that that Tim did this on the up and up. I will take... I I felt good about that week that I had because everybody else struggled. So yeah, yeah, you, you nailed it. All right, let's jump in, Greg. You get us started. Okay, Husker baseball. Our first question: Buy or sell the Nebraska's starting pitchers throw fifteen or more innings this weekend against Maryland? Three game series. Fifteen divided by three would be five innings. Okay, a piece for each starter. I'm going to sell it. Ooh. Man, um, I think that's probably pretty close. Just for grins, last weekend, Nebraska starting pitchers threw exactly 12 innings. Oh. I'm going to buy it. I'm a little more bullish this week. Yeah, I'm. I'll buy it too. I think that... All it takes is, I mean, all it takes is one way or the other, a you know, three-inning start or a seven-inning start to kind of push it one way or the other. But I think that the Huskers will get at least one really good start, and then the other two will be solid enough to get it to 15. I'll buy. 
yeah, need a bounce back from the arms, I'll, I'll buy it as well. All right, Ben up next. Okay, here we go. On to some Major League Baseball here, so we'll stay within the ball bat sports. Buy or sell that there is a cycle hit <laughs> and a no-hitter thrown before the All-Star break. This, of course, coming on the heels today, uh, Brewers pitcher Brandon Woodruff having a no-hitter going into the seventh inning. Yeah. We've also seen uh, some also-hitters go nuts already here through the first two weeks. And I'm probably in the minority, but I'll buy it. I'll root, I'll root for the uh, improbable to happen. I don't feel like it's that improbable. I'll buy it. I The cycle is hard to do, but no hitters. I feel like you see a couple each season. So by all-star break, sure, somebody will get that done. I know that it's becoming a little bit more difficult just because of pitch counts. And you saw that last week, uh, Jose Barrios for the Twins got pulled after six no-hit innings, and he was only at 80-some pitches. But I think by July, you'll have some guys that are stretched out and can, can get a no-no. Not improbable, but not by the all-star break. I will sell. There will definitely be a no-hitter. Probably a no-hitter before the end of April. Um, the cycle's the, yeah. that's the that's the one. And you generally have a couple a year. Yep. Uh, why not? I'll buy it. All right. Oh, geez, I'm Tim on this question. Yikes. <laughs> I, I can't believe there's this many buys. I know. I kind of thought I'd be in the minority here. Got to root for something, you know? It's, yeah. it's fun every once in a while. All right, uh, I'm going to switch it up here and go over to golf. Of course, the Masters starting tomorrow. Buy or sell that at least four former winners of the Masters finish in the top 15 this hmm. year. <laughs> I think that that is definitely possible, but I'm going to sell it. I don't have the list pulled up. I could probably start rattling them off, but I initially the question read three of three finishing in the top ten, but I went with four in the top fifteen, and I'm still gonna sell it though. I like the line. I think it's just a little bit high though, so I'm with you, Josh. I'll sell. Let's look at it. Okay, DJ's obviously in the field. Tiger's not. Patrick Reed is. Sergio is. Danny Willett is. Spieth is. Bubba. Adam Scott. Charles Schwartzel. Phil. Zach Johnson. I think that's it. Um, four's a little aggressive. I think I would have bought it at three. I'm going to sell it at four. All right. I'm going to sell it as well. I think four is probably a little a little too much. All right. Very good. All right. My first question of the week, Husker Volleyball related. Buy or sell that Husker Volleyball plays at least eight sets in the NCAA tournament? I am going to buy that. Yeah, I'm all over that too. Hmm. I think... That means you play three matches. I think the Huskers will win their first match against whoever they get between Texas State and Utah Valley, and then they'll probably play Baylor, the uh, 12 seed, in the next round, and I think they'll win that. So that's basically what it's asking is, and even then, like if it's five, if you go five against Baylor, that's also getting to eight. Right. So I'm, I'm going to buy. Yeah, I'm going to buy it too. Um, they'll drop a set, I think. 
in one of the first two matches, so that gets you to seven. And I think they're they're an elite eight, at least an elite eight team, and that means three matches guaranteed. So, yep, buy it. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna buy it. I like the I like the question. I like the number of sets, and I like the Huskers even more. So I'm buying. <laughs> Very good. All right, Tim asked a Major League Baseball question. He submitted this. Buy or sell that Shohei Otani strikes out at least five batters and gives up less than three runs in his next start. So two runs or fewer and strikes out at least five batters. Hmm. I am going to sell. I think he'll get to the strikeouts, but I think he's going to allow at least three runs. What did he do in his first start? Um, pitched four and two thirds. I think he had like seven Ks. Allowed less than three runs. Okay. I will buy the and question. A big Shohei Otani guy, former Orman <laughs> rowboat, for not very long due to injuries. Yeah. But yeah. He, <laughs> hey, go, hey, what what an appropriate situation yeah. too to have him get injured. Yep. Seriously, but yeah, no, I I'm all aboard the Showtime train. I will I will buy it. Love it. Well, I I completely went against my philosophy, my policy of not yeah, <laughs> buying and questions, and it completely burned me this past week. I will never do that again. <laughs> it Whoa. is a sell. <laughs> All right, sell. I believe he's facing the Blue Jays. Ooh, that's good intel. Um, I I for sure thinks he strikes out five. Uh, less than three runs. I mean, I don't want to jinx him, but he could get injured, too. He could yeah. tweak something in the second inning. Well, his next then, start could be in August. True. Well, we, you know. <laughs> um, man, Toronto's kind of dangerous, though. They can bop you. Right. Vladdy, Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez. Springer. Is he still hurt? I think he's on the I.L. Or is he back? He's close. Um, and then he, he didn't specify earn or under. He just said three no, runs total. Just runs. And I'm gonna buy it. I can't believe I'm admitting to this, but I love the question, Tim. I'm gonna buy it. Great question, <laughs> Tim. But I hope Tim. you're not listening. Tim's not listening. We won't tell him. His ego will stay somewhat in check for now. Probably not. But. Yeah. All right, Brett's question of the week is a soccer question. Imagine wow. that. Buy or sell that Lionel Messi is responsible for at least two goals against Real Madrid Jeez. on Saturday. I have no idea what that question is asking. <laughs> two seems like a lot. I will sell. Uh, 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 I'll, I'll sell. Yeah, I feel like when... Brett or Tim or whoever asks soccer questions, it ends up being fewer goals than what you would think be are scored. So I don't even know if they're they're, they're going to score. Barcelona's going to score two goals. So I'm going to sell it as well. These are the ones we need them to get their answers in ahead of time. I know. Sorry. Especially, yeah, especially soccer. When he asks it, well, when those guys ask their own questions, they need to tell us if they're buying or selling. That's yes. what I'm saying. Yeah, we'll make that a rule going forward. If you're not here, give us your answer. Yep. I would Back guess that Brett's buying it, All though, because right, he's the biggest Barcelona fan. Hey, ben, what are you doing? I 
I honestly lost me at Lionel Messi. So what's <laughs> what's the question again? Is, is he, he res- responsible yeah. for at least two goals against Real Madrid? So goal or assist? No goal or assist. So all right, lots of cells there. Okay. Greg, back to you. Back to me. All right, Husker Softball. They host Illinois this weekend in a four-game series. Buy or sell that the Huskers have more extra base hits than the Illini this weekend. How good's Illinois? Illinois is fourth in the league right now. They have a better league record than the Huskers do. Their team ERA is better, but... Nebraska has more extra base hits to this point Ooh. in the season than Illinois does. Tricky. I'm going to buy it. All right. I think mm. I might, too. I Last week, I won against the Huskers softball team, and I don't like that. Even though I got a point out of it, I will buy that they do that. Well, I'm going to flip the logic on Josh. I went with the Huskers, and they burned me. <laughs> So I need the point. I got to stay atop the standings. Yeah, good point. I'm selling. Austin? Um, go red team. I'll buy. All right. Sure. Bye for Austin. Yeah, Ben, you can make up a point there. Back to you, though. Okay, here we go. We're going back to, or I guess for the first time, NBA. I, I might have hinted that there might be another NBA question. Who knows? Buy or sell that Kevin Durant... James Harden and Kyrie Irving all play in the same game and score at least 60 combined Damn. points before <laughs> May 1st. For more background info on this, James Harden tried to play through a hamstring injury yesterday. I think he made it like three minutes into the game before he re-aggravated the hamstring. Uh, he's on uh, the injured list. 10-day they said he's going to be reevaluated in 10 days. Kevin Durant is back in action tonight for the first time. Came off the in, bench in over 2 weeks. So he hasn't played in a game but he's cooking. in about a month. He's he's rolling right now. Kyrie Irving, who knows where that dude's at where right. he wakes up every day. Um What are you doing? I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm going to pat myself on the back. I think this is a good question. Yeah, great question. <laughs> I uh, will buy it. Okay. And I don't feel great about it. Greg, you yelled out sell as it was being asked. Yeah, well, obviously it's an and question. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm actually going to sell it too. I think it very well could happen, but here's the thing. Yeah, I don't – before May 1st, that's only a few weeks away, so I'm selling. I'm buying. I think it happens. Getting them to play together I think will actually be harder than all three of them scoring 20. Right. True. All right. My second question comes from Husker Baseball. By or sell that Nebraska has a game decided by one run this weekend or a game decided by at least 10 runs. So either or. This is not an and. It's an or. Game decided by exactly one or a game decided by at least 10. I'm going to buy it. I don't, I don't know if they... I don't know which one. I'm not going to call my shot on which side of it happens, but I think both could happen in a three-game series, so why not? They could. They're not going to. I will sell. I don't think the 10-run game happens. So now is there a tight one that is decided by a run? Yeah, I sure could see that. Um, It's a good question. 
Wow, a lot of good questions tonight. Yeah, good we're job, the best team. question askers ever. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Uh, I'll buy it. All right. Ben? I'm going to sell it. I just think the odds are too heavily in the other yeah. way. You know it's a good question when we split it 50-50. Yes, absolutely. All right, take us home, Austin. All right, back to the association for my final question. Buy or sell that Aaron Gordon now of the Denver Nuggets averages at least 15 points per game from tonight's game three play next Tuesday or that he shoots better than 50% from the field in half the Nuggets games during that same stretch. And I will buy it. First of all, how'd you land on Aaron Gordon? <laughs> because I was doing some reading on Aaron Gordon. He is now more a role player than a feature option. And his lines are about 15 on 50% since joining the Nugs. By the way, before we move on to the rest of our answers, Austin originally had a question about Zion Williamson and the history that he's trying to make tonight. But I scratched that because we're over halfway through the game and we could have... How's he doing? I don't know. I have Not great. Austin, look. Not on No, pace. he's... No, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um... I'll buy it. Yeah, I'm buying. I think he I think he will definitely shoot over 50% in what half the games? Half the games. So that's probably what? Hmm. 3 games, maybe. Probably got to go 3 for 5, maybe 3 for 6. Yeah, I yeah. I definitely think that I mean, I he could very easily could do both. Right. So, I'm buying. Yeah, I'll buy. I don't want to be different on this one. It seems like an or question is a good way to go with the buy. How many how many games do they play between now and next Tuesday? Yeah, that's can't true. Have that many, right? Four games, five. We can't between play more four than four. And six. Yeah, because really? we'll, we'll probably have a back to back at some point. I know they're playing can't tonight. Do they have that many? They have two but. against the Spurs at the very least in the next few days. So okay, and it's no fewer than four. What okay. what day here? I I got it. When is the date? What's next Tuesday's date? Next BD Tuesday 13th. is the yep. Uh, he's got the game tonight, and then he's got three more after that. So four games. Four, four games. games. All right. All right. Cool. Good stuff. Good questions. Those are good questions this week. Good job, Tim. Now, somebody's got to put the thumb on Tim. Yeah. He's got to be getting these answers in. Yes. New rule. Timmy. Cheater. Timmy's yes. got to get those answers in. Yep. Especially now that it, it's one thing when he's in last place and we don't care about it, but. Now he's in first. Yeah, exactly. Five three one five hundred forty six eighty six. The number to dot us up with a comment or question, or fire off a text using our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Oscars. U.S. Cellular connecting Husker Nation. The Masters starts tomorrow, the first of the major golf tournaments of the year, and for a lot of people, it's their favorite golf tournament of the year. It kind of signifies. For a lot of us around the country, the beginning of golf season and the chance to get out. It's a course we all know if you watch and follow golf because it's that tournament's held there every year where the U.S. Open or the British Open or the PGA, they move courses every year. The Masters is in the same course. You really get to know the course and get it going. One of the, There's a lot of traditions around the Masters. They don't call them fans. They call them patrons. Uh, they have a champion's dinner is one of the other great traditions where if you've won the tournament, 
you get to go to this dinner they have on Tuesday night of Masters Week, and all the past winners go, and that's it. That's all that's in the room. Maybe the club president might be there too, but other than that, it's, that's it. It's just the past winners of this tournament, and they sit down, and the current winner, and in this case it's Dustin Johnson, gets to pick the meal, the menu, what's going to be on for the guys to eat that night. And they're kind of a, they are the ones that get honored the most because they're the most recent winner of this. Phil Mickelson, who's a three-time winner of the Masters, was asked about could he could he share any stories from past champions dinners and he told a funny one let's listen i'm always open to whatever the masters champion has to try i've uh tried a lot of different cuisine over the years i think it's pretty cool um i remember i'll share it with you a little little funny story uh from adam scott's victory and he had uh had this wonderful meal Australian themed and out comes dessert and it's pavlova. It's a meringue with some fruit and so forth. And I said, no, no, there, you can't Google this stuff because our cell phone, you know, there's no cell phones allowed. Right. And I said, Oh, uh, pavlova that's, uh, inspired by the great Russian ballerina, Anna Pavlova, who was touring through New Zealand, Australia. And the Australian chef was so inspired by her beautiful movement and tutus, she ended up uh, naming, he made, made a dessert after her. Chairman Payne looked at me like, what kind of stuff are you spewing here, you know? <laughs> and uh, no, no, this is, this is true. You know, Zach, Zach Johnson looked at me, he says, I got $100, says that's not right. You know, so everybody's calling me out of my BS. And a lot of times I am BSing. However, <laughs> however, my daughter was a dancer. And she wrote a biography on Anna Pavlova, and I made 32 Pavlovas for her class when she was a little girl, and I knew this. And I ended up, you know, being right, which is not often, and I was right on that particular moment. So th some of these moments that goes down in Champions Dinner uh, are, are, are special, and that was, uh, you know, that was cuisine-inspired. What a great story. I, that's just, that's just, that's just a bunch of guys in a room having some fun. That's awesome. And then, Ben, that's great. I used to not have any opinion on Phil Mickelson whatsoever. Like in college, watching him play, like when he won the Masters, like just, I mean, you would think both being left-handed, like I'd be like, oh, yeah, lefty, you know, he'd be, you know. I wouldn't say I didn't like him, but I wouldn't say I was a fan either. He was just kind of a guy to me. There probably isn't very many people in front of him of guys that I would want to play around to golf with or just go have some drinks with. I mean, that dude Agreed. just seems like yep. – an absolutely phenomenal dude to be around. And I think what really ramped it up for me was the foursome match he had with, with Tiger and Peyton and, and Tom Brady. I just think that was just so awesome. And absolutely, I wish uh, I could spend some time around Phil Mickelson because he just seems like a character. That's kind of the ultimate test, right? Is it is that some is that somebody you'd like to have a drink with or play with if you play gift golf or whatever? And absolutely with Phil, there's some guys that go, no, I, I have no interest in being around that person or that personality at all. But I'm with you. He absolutely seems to be the guy. He's always talking when he's out on the course. He's saying hi to the fans or he's acknowledging them, cheering for him and stuff. And easy guy to cheer for. But that's a great story. That You just know there are thousands of those stories that come out of those champions when those guys are just all sitting around for a couple hours on a Tuesday night blowing off steam and because and, it's an elite club. you, you got to win that tournament to be able to get an invitation to sit in there. So that is a cool deal. you got a, you got a favorite? You got you, somebody you're pulling for, you're picking this week? What do you think? Well, I'm always pulling for guys like Rory and, and Fowler and 
you know, some of those guys that you know, I root for every year. Um, I'm rooting against Bryson DeChambeau, Come obviously. I, I don't know why, you know, you would ever expect anything different from me uh, out of there. Uh, so that's that's going to be that. Um, <laughs> Colin Morikawa, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like his game, and I'm kind of I'm kind of jumping on his bandwagon a little bit. So, I mean, I wouldn't really say I have a favorite, but those are the guys that I'm probably pulling for. Yeah, I, I've got a I've got a feeling, and I I could end up being dead wrong, but I have a feeling it's going to be a first time winner this year. That's not going to be somebody that has donned the jacket before, and so I'm I'm looking, and everybody's kind of picking speed because he won last week in San Antonio. I'm not. I don't know that his game will hold up for four rounds, but I'm looking at the other two guys in his group, and you named one of them, Ben. He the first two rounds, Speeth is playing with Morikawa. And Cam Smith, who's another Australian. It's funny that Mickelson just told the story about Adam Scott. And Cam Smith, I think his game will play really well at – so you took Morikawa. I'll go Smith, the other guy in that threesome. Uh, kind of a little bit of an off-the-radar type guy, but uh, I could be wrong. Josh, you got a lean, a pick at all this thing? Yeah, Morikawa is actually a guy that I had, had thought about too, but um... – I actually wouldn't be surprised if it is somebody who has won before, like a Jordan Spieth. He's been playing well. Um, yep. So, yeah, that I'd probably narrow it down to one of those two as, as my top picks. Austin, got anybody? Um, I have a very limited knowledge <laughs> of golf, so I'm just throwing darts at the board and seeing what sticks. But Rory's due, isn't he? He's never won. He's got to get one at some point, and I, I think he's been playing a little bit better based on the little I've read. So give me Rory. You should have picked DeChambeau just to make Ben mad. I should have, but I'm not Tim, so I yeah, try yeah, not to not, be openly antagonistic like that. that. I do think Bryson will be a factor in this thing. I, I hope Rory is too because it's the one major he has not won yet. He's won everything else. He's won the U.S. Open, the British Open, and the PGA. He's just missing the green jacket from his resume. John Rahm just became a father over the weekend. Does that spur him on? DJ, the defending champion, obviously still playing really well. But I, I just something something in my gut says it'll be a first-time winner, and Morikawa certainly fits yeah. that. So does, so does Cam Smith. I just, I mean, Bryson has a chance if there's no insects or animals around his ball or, um, you know. You're brutal. You're just brutal. What, 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 what was he crying? What else was he crying about that week? Um, <laughs> you know, top a drive, top a drive, and then look at your driver. You know, you he had just bombed it 400 yards on the on the hole before, and it was fine. Now you top one, and all of a sudden something's wrong with it. Yeah, he, that was the Players Championship last month. I think you and you guys were. I think you were up in Minneapolis that weekend. And he he hit one like all of us have hit, where you just you hit it about a hundred yards and it just goes straight into the ground. And it was a bizarre shot from a pro to see him do that. Should be fun. Um, I don't know. There's not usually the Masters limits to TV time, right? On this thing, they don't pull it. usually you get kind of get a, just a couple hours a day of coverage. So although they do have some. You can go watch like Amen Corner. They'll have cameras at Amen Corner, and you can watch golfers go through a couple of different holes there. And then you can also uh, 13 and 15. They usually have a static camera. You can watch the guys playing those holes throughout the day. Gets going tomorrow morning. First guys off are at 7 a.m. our time. How about that? 7 a.m. They'll be teeing it up in Augusta tomorrow.